G'day everyone, welcome back for another episode of Year 9 Health and PE, looking at the muscular system. Apologies for those of you who were looking for a new podcast last week, I was away on a conference so I missed out on recording one, but that means we'll have a bit more to talk about today. So looking at today's podcast, what we're going to include, we're going to run through homework sheet 1 and homework sheet 2 with a few common errors and looking to identify how we go about those and also run through some key information related to reciprocal inhibition and also a bit of a discussion on force control and how muscles might work. A lot of us uh, are in the position of days coming up being somewhat compromised with events on within the school. So assessment is happening pretty quickly and I know there's a number of classes doing their tests next week. So by all means, use this, use the resources on Schoolbox, use your OneNote, use the PowerPoints to help you out in preparing for that. So let's get into it. Homework sheet one. For some of you, that might be a while back now, but it's always good in your revision to go back over different things that have been done. Question one in that sheet was asking you to Consider the function of the skeletal system and the understanding you have of the muscular system and the fact that they both have movement as a key aspect of, of what they do and how they work together. So you're asked to use your understanding of the two systems, describe how they work in conjunction with one another to create movement. Realistically, you're going to look for a few things there. We know that we need our skeletal system for structure, but it can't move on its own. We know that we need a muscular system to move, but it can't move if it's not attached to anything. So through connective tissues, they need to be attached to one another, and we need to see contractions occurring within the muscular system to allow the skeletal system to then move. So the joints allow for movement in the skeletal system. They allow for, notice I said that, not create. A joint will allow for movement within the skeletal system. The muscles create the movement by pulling on bones across joints. Okay, across a joint. If a muscle just contracted on its own, it would just be a blob flexing on the spot. So that was one error. Most people were pretty good at bone labelling. Just be wary if you're around the deltoids, the trapezius and the rhomboids that you are labelling the correct one. Take some time to have a look at your diagrams there to make sure that you're doing that accurately. When it comes to whether a muscle type is being identified just be wary that we're probably you know read the question and work out if it's asking you for smooth muscle skeletal muscle or cardiac muscle the three different types of muscles that exist within our body some of them you might sort of think oh is that a bodily function or what's going on there so the one that people made a few errors on breathing Okay, yes, that's a bodily function, so we're probably thinking, well, hang on a minute, that's potentially a smooth muscle. You know, what's the shape of different muscles in there? The intercostals and the diaphragm are actually all skeletal muscles. They might look smooth in appearance, but uh, they're skeletal muscles. Okay, they are actually voluntary muscles. Okay, now, sure, we don't think every time we have to inhale and exhale, but we can stop breathing if we want to. We can actually control those muscles. Now they're going to kick in through the way our bodies work and keep on working if we try and hold our breath for too long all of a sudden we'll start breathing again because those muscles want to contract and want to want to keep us keep us breathing. They're normally under involuntary control but we can voluntarily control them. Okay so breathing is skeletal muscles. 
I had a bunch of people from my class refer to talking as smooth muscles. They are not, they are skeletal. Okay, yes, your mouth and the oral cavity is a smooth opening, but the muscles are actually skeletal muscles that move the skeletal system around the mouth. So that is skeletal muscles and voluntary, although for some of you folk, I think it's involuntary. You could talk underwater, but it is a voluntary thing. When it comes to transport of blood, okay, I think everyone has maybe read this question going, oh, well, if it's transporting blood, that means that it's cardiac. Look, it's involved in the circulatory system. However, pumping blood from the heart is cardiac. Transporting blood in the arm or in different blood vessels is all smooth muscle, okay? So only the heart is cardiac. All the rest are smooth muscles. In terms of muscle identification, please keep on uh, revising which muscles are which and pay attention to your spelling. There's some creative spelling going on. Please make sure you uh, pay attention to what's going on there. Okay, let's talk about um, homework sheet two because that will actually help us cover some of the information that is within lesson two as well. Okay, so again, Muscle labelling, people doing really well with that, so keep on studying that, keep on practising that. It's one of those things where that rote learning, just practice, 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 um, covering up labels, that sort of thing, trying to guess what's underneath, having someone else point to a different part of their body, saying, you know, which muscle's this, that sort of thing will help with your revision in terms of the muscular system, okay? Please just make sure you're working on your spelling there. Don't put a T in quadricep or bicep. When you are referring to your biceps and triceps, make sure you say bicep break eye and tricep break eye. Um, I've noticed a lot of people starting to try and name the various muscles in the hamstring group and the quadricep group, which is wicked. I love it that people are challenging themselves to try and extend their knowledge and their understanding. That's really, really good. Um, keep in mind that you, if you know them as the quadricep group and the hamstring group, that's fine. You can continue working there. But by all means, challenge yourself to, to go that bit further. Reciprocal inhibi inhibition, if I can say it properly, reciprocal inhibition was the big concept to come out of lesson two. Okay, so how do muscles actually produce movement or where, you know, where does that come from? How does it go about happening? If one muscle is going to contract, we need another muscle to relax because we know that a muscle works across a joint. Okay, so the muscle's going to pull on some bones across a joint and that will create movement. We talked about that in the functions of the system in homework sheet one. The agonist is the prime mover. It is the muscle that is doing the work. It is causing movement to occur. It is contracting. All right. The antagonist has to relax and when it relaxes, that means that the agonist can actually pull and move. Okay, and often we talk about the arm, it's a nice easy one for us to do and we can all do it if we're sitting in a chair or wherever we are, we can move our arms up and down. That's you know, just a good pair to use. The bicep wouldn't actually be able to contract and move the arm if the tricep was contracted at the same time. You'd have one muscle trying to pull the arm backwards and one, arm, uh, one muscle trying to move the arm forwards. They're going to counteract each other, they're not actually going to help. So we need one of them to relax so that the other one can contract and bring about movement. The agonist being the one that produces the movement, the antagonist being the one that relaxes. 
it's in this area of our study that we start going, okay, well, we've got to rewind a little bit back to our skeletal system and look at our understanding of joint movements, flexion, extension, abduction, adduction, rotation, circumduction, dorsiflexion, plantar flexion, all those sorts of things because you're going to start talking about them when we're referring to different movements that the body might be producing in different exercises. And often we think about exercises in the gym here because they're sort of repetitive, they're quite an easy one to look at and quite easy to remember. If you're in my class, we might may have talked about different cycling examples at different points in time and my apologies if I've given you too many of those. We'll just keep on going though. We need to look at what's actually happening when we have a contraction going on because we've said that the agonist is the prime mover, that's the one that's moving the muscle and doing the work. But sometimes we need to look at what change in length is happening because if I have a glass of water that I'm taking off the table. If I have my arm out straight, I grab that glass of water and then I bend the glass to bring it up to my mouth, then I've had elbow flexion. The bicep has contracted, it's pulled the forearm up, okay, the tricep relaxed so that that could happen, so my bicep brachii was my agonist, tricep brachii was my antagonist, and I've been able to have a drink. That's wicked. If I want to put the glass down, we need to think, well, which muscle's doing the work now? If the tricep did the work, then I would smash that glass through the table because if that muscle contracts, that arm's going to go down fast. If we lower that down, then the bicep is actually still providing force. However, it is lengthening when it does so, okay, which actually means it's slowly releasing tension but it's actually still providing the force. The tricep is still relaxed. If you tried that, if you're sitting somewhere now, if you grab something and lift it up, hold your bicep and your tricep with your other hand and just feel which muscle actually has tension on it and which one doesn't, and you can start to really identify what's going on with an agonist or antagonist relationship between the muscles. If you get questions that are asking you what's the, what's the pairing, agonist and antagonist, you pretty much just have to look at the muscle man or the diagram of the body with all the muscles and say, well, which muscles on one side of the body, so the surface, anterior or posterior, and which muscles on the other? So your quadriceps and your hamstrings, it's literally front and back. Which muscle is it? Biceps, triceps, front and back. Which muscles are they? If you then go to uh, some of the other muscles in the body, so if you were to look at the, um, if you went for a muscle in the front of the body, so if you went rectus abdominis, then you'd be looking for muscles in the back that run up and down and have movement occurring there. And there'd be one called erector spinae, which we haven't really talked about a whole lot, but you're looking at muscle pairs front and back. Tibialis anterior with soleus, okay, front and back. So muscles that pair together, just identify the muscle diagram and you'll find that that's a really easy way to go about doing things. Okay, the last little part that I'm going to talk about in this podcast, because this one's been running for 11 minutes now, and then I'm going to record another one, is going to be the contraction types. Okay, so we can divide into two types of contraction, whether the muscle is lengthening or whether the muscle is shortening. Now, that's going to be in relation to an isotonic contraction. Okay, so if it's an isotonic contraction and we're lengthening and shortening, 
we've got a moving contraction, okay, so I was talking to my class about how do we work out if it's an isotonic contraction. If the muscle's changing in length, it's isotonic. Then you just have to work out is it eccentric or concentric. If it's concentric, it's contracting, it's shortening, okay, so you've got to look at the words and go, well, what does that sound like? Concentric, contract, contract means shorten, okay, that's an easy way to, to look at it. If you think about eccentric, well, that's a bit of a different word, so maybe the muscle's lengthening out of my two options, then my muscle's going to be lengthening with that one. That's that example of the, the lowering of the glass of water, okay? But then what if it's not? What if it's not lengthening or shortening and it's staying still? That's where we have a isometric contraction. With my class, again, I talked about a ruler having a straight edge and a ruler being a metric instrument. There's no change in, in length. There's no change in shape on a straight edge of a ruler. Metric, metric, you sort of just remember those things together, you know, word association, pairing things together to help remember them, whatever works for you. But the example in your homework sheet would have been a tennis player's grip on a tennis racket. So the arm, sort of your forearm, is going to tense up and hold on to it. You might be looking at an athlete in the starting blocks. They'll be nice and tense before they take off. You might be looking at a dancer or a gymnast who are momentarily posing or forming a shape with their body and having to hold it. You might be looking at a wrestler or a rugby player in a scrum where they're locked against another person for a moment. Um, muscles not changing in length, everything's staying still. Okay, If you did a wall sit, that's an example of an isometric contraction. If you did a squat, then there's movement occurring there. So that's going to be an isotonic contraction. You just need to work out which muscle is doing an isotonic contraction and which muscle is doing an... I'm not sure what I just said then. You want to need to look at which muscle is doing an isotonic contraction, which one's concentric and which one's eccentric. I'll get it right in a second. Okay, I think that's about enough for this podcast. So I will record another one in just a moment discussing the content in Lesson 3. Um, from your OneNote, but otherwise that will have been a good one in terms of reviewing your homework sheets from Sheet 1 and Sheet 2. Thanks, gang.